0: Education, a good paying job, and home ownership. These are the building blocks of economic mobility and what we in the United States refer to as the American dream. However, this dream can all too quickly become a cyclical nightmare with just one mistake made in our youth, one financial setback or one arrest. Having to check that box that asks, have you ever been arrested? can be a lifelong sentence to unnecessary hardship, taking away one's access to college, work, or even a home. Over the past three decades, Americans with a criminal record has risen dramatically. And now nearly one third of the entire working age population has a criminal record. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Preview of Tomorrow. I am your host, Mike Lake. In this preview, I will be talking to Lauren Leonard, the CEO of R3 Score Technologies, a company that has developed an alternative to the antiquated tools of credit scores and background checks to to fully assess a person's integrity and capability for a better future.
1: Innovation, resiliency, discovery. Join Mike Lake, President and CEO of Leading Cities, as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow.
0: Hello and welcome, Lauren. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. And and once again, welcome to all our listeners. I'd like to introduce you to Lauren Leonard, the CEO of R3 Score Technologies, a unique startup that has created a financial analysis tool created to de-risk and demonstrate the strengths and capabilities of people with criminal records. Now, Lauren, before we get into all of this, because this is a huge issue, it affects countless people. How did how did you become interested in this topic? Yeah, absolutely. Well,
1: first, thank you for having me. Um, I have a phrase that, I have a couple of phrases, and one of them is that I didn't pick prison, prison picked me. Um, And so if anyone has done any Googling and they saw that, what that basically means is it was through my family's direct um, lived experience with mass incarceration in this country um, that I became interested in criminal justice. And I know uh, mass incarceration, it feels like it's a phrase that people know, but just in case anyone is not familiar with what that means, it's basically the phenomenon um, that we have experienced in the U.S. where we have 5% 5% of the world's global population, but 25% of the world's prison population. Um, presently, that means there's 70 million people who have an arrest or conviction record in this country. Um, and I, unfortunately, we are not on track yet where we have disrupted that status quo. So what we're anticipating is that the trend line shows us that in the next nine years, by the year 2030, that will be 100 million people or one in two. Um, and so in the end, most of us just mathematically know someone, have some level of connection, even if we're not aware of it, to our criminal justice system. For me, it was my mother's experience. Um, she was an entrepreneur, um, was going through the process of growing a business. Her company um, became um, under scrutiny. She went to court to defend herself. And what she discovered is that um, by going to court to defend yourself, that you are given a harsher um, Penalties and harsher sentences. And when um, she thought that she would be able to demonstrate that, you know, if she made a mistake, it was an honest mistake. Instead, she was given an 87 month um, federal prison sentence as a first time non-violent white collar offender. And so that was for us the most um, shocking and eye-opening experience, but it was an experience that for us felt like it came out of nowhere. And, and therefore it had to have some level of meaning and purpose. And so that purpose became, we started our first organization which is Mission Launch, a nonprofit that still exists almost 10 years ago. And then our 3 score about uh, four years ago, we had the idea for that.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, talk about uh, an impactful story, and I'm so sorry to hear it. Um, Now, the the experience of your mother and, and as I said before, so many others uh, is, I mean, to give people a sense, uh, I I saw the stat that there are now about as many people uh, in this country um, that um, have a criminal record as the number of people who have a four-year college degree. Yep. We, it's, it, it's insane. <laughs> it is insane. It yeah. is insane. And for anybody who has filled out a job application, you've probably seen that line that says, you know, check the box. Have you been, have you ever been arrested? Not mm-hmm. convicted in mm-hmm. most cases, but arrested, which, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there are members of Congress who have been arrested. Yeah. Um, you know, it. but there is a by checking that box there there's definitely an influence on the reviewers uh opinion about that applicant it makes it very difficult for people to to find work to to break the cycle of poverty or 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 trying to to reintegrate into society after uh serving you know their sentence it's it, it becomes a cyclical challenge it's a, and it doesn't just affect the individual; it affects their family. And let's talk. Let's talk frankly. It affects all of society as a result. Exactly. Exactly. So tell me, you understand this problem far better than I do. Mm-hmm. What What are some of these real challenges
1: that yeah. exist? Absolutely. So there. Well, first, I think you know, again, kind of grounding us in the scope. Nine out of ten employers run a criminal background check four out of five landlords run a background check, three out of five colleges, and universities run a background check. And so um, we have used criminal background check data. Um, and then just, you know, as a separate offshoot, actually now credit score data to help us understand each other. And these were never designed for those purposes, right? They were designed, it yeah, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, I just want to put a very fine point on what you just said and and the the uses of background checks where you might not get a house, Mm -hmm. you might not get a job, and you might not get an education. The economic
1: building blocks for most of us, you are in a position where someone on the other side of that opportunity that could really advance your life has the potential to allow you to to persist and compete on merit and compete on potential. Um, or they could say this historical data, this thing that happened to you, in some instances, I've started saying even this stale data because depending upon the statute, it could be something from seven years ago, right? that you know, still has to be reported by law, but you've changed. You're a different person. Um, and so one hundred percent, it it's in every way possible that a person seeks to upgrade their lives, the criminal background check data. Um, impacts you. And one of the things that we have begun to see is the connection between even that data set and your credit score. What we know is by just coming in contact with the criminal justice system, right? Not, not even talking, like you said, about conviction or kind of outcome, but just coming in contact with it. A person's credit score uh, typically drops about 49 to 80 points, right? And that's just that there. Then when you compound If a person has a lengthy sentence, they're not participating in our credit scoring system, their credit score drops and or they come back home and they have no credit. So I think these two risk models, especially when they're combined, are extremely harmful. There's a criminal database that has been acquired where there's 50,000 known uh, collateral consequences. So 50,000 known barriers you could hit in this country, that by having a, a criminal record, you could be denied an opportunity, and you don't know all these fifty thousand ways until you go to, you know, maybe apply for a bank account or, like you said, we go to get housing. So I think for us, fundamentally, we do not have a product or a tool or an opportunity to assess each other in a way that doesn't keep people, families, and communities perpetually locked into cycles um, that we actually really don't want, right? We we want potentially for people who have come in contact with the criminal justice system to demonstrate that they are moving away from whatever the events were that led them to come in contact with the criminal justice system. And we should all be in support of that because it actually helps us for people to be able to get back on their feet.
0: And if I can just put a spotlight on two things you just said. Number one, you said 50,000 different ways. You know, that's a that's a number. It's easy to let that fly right by. (laughs) But I would challenge every one of our listeners and viewers to make a list of 50,000 privileges that you have that you could live without. It's a serious impact on our lives. The second point I want to make is for anybody who's who's listening to this and thinking, uh, I don't have to worry about this. This is not me. It's not my loved ones. It's not my family. We're talking about, for, for black men, half, half of black men are arrested, right, before the age of 23. 40% of white men. So for any family out there that has two sons, it's a very high probability that one of them could be arrested before the age of 23 and put them into this cycle that we were just talking about, a hole so deep, they can't dig themselves out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I
1: think that I would add that to that is uh, two things. One, that's the exact reason why in 2020, the conversations we've had as a country around policing and the social unrest has been at the crux and the cradle of a lot of conversations and why they started to teeter into economic opportunity, you know, relatively quickly for folks, because I think um, our criminal justice system is so sticky that by just coming in contact with it, it creates this kind of pathway that's almost easier to stay on than to change your life. And the, the reason why we actually started Mission Launch, our first organization, um was because my mom while she was incarcerated i was visiting her and she had just read an article that said seven out of ten children who have an incarcerated parent will they themselves become incarcerated that's how sticky our system is is that what happens to families what happens to children when a parent becomes incarcerated creates a cascade of events that leads children to they themselves become at risk for coming in contact with the criminal justice system and i say that phrase intentionally because i think we have to disrupt even some of our own bias around who goes to prison in this country like the whole point of using the term mass incarceration is it's no longer a system that i think many of us thought it was which is it was for other people or bad people or those people Mm -hmm. when you are on track to have one out of every two working adults have a record there's no way we're that bad as a society. And there's no way we're that bad as a society in comparison to, you know, the scale of the world, which means there's something happening in our country.
0: That's right. And our
1: policy, in the way that we interact and engage with each other, that is criminalizing things that really should not be criminalized. Right. And so I intentionally say coming in contact with the criminal justice system because it puts some responsibility on the system and it puts some responsibility on us as a society.
0: So to just to put this into perspective for our listeners, if you, if you put all of the people in this country, in America, who had been arrested and created a country of that population alone, it would be the 18th largest country in the world, larger than Canada, larger than France, three times the size of Australia. I mean, this is not a small problem. Yeah. No. Listen, I could I could talk about this challenge <laughs> all day. I've already gone over my my time on I, I should have on this, but I do want to focus on R three score. Yeah. Because it is a transformational solution for people and Absolutely. for society as a whole. Tell us a little bit about R three score. Absolutely. So it was
1: while we were sitting in our
0: nonprofit,
1: working with people who were pursuing the path of entrepreneurship because they couldn't get a job that we started recognizing that one of the biggest barriers to opportunity is the actual criminal background track itself. And so I did some online searching. I was like, there's no way that there's no product. And so we set out on a mission to create a a strength-based risk model. Our goal is to Um, basically modernize the legacy risk models of criminal background checks and credit scores. Um, We have a desire to unlock the human capital of all people. We believe that when people wanna change, they can change. And if they change, they deserve a pathway to rebuild their life. Um, So the thing that makes us head and shoulders better than our competitors is we have an intake interview which allows us to get more user permission data. Um, we start with the fair credit reporting at compliant criminal background check. We could do a credit score if our customers want it. We don't do hard credit pulls unless it's a financial decision that's going to be made and, and our customers request it. But more than that, we have anywhere from a five to 15-minute intake interview that we do with each person. Um, the reason why this is unique, um, but also kind of a growing trend, is because um, I believe Equifax just recently put out a report that they did a pilot by using utility bill data. So Um, your water, your uh, electricity, they are able to now move 5 million more people from what's considered the subprime category to prime. And that's because the current risk models, credit and criminal background checks, are conditioned to only look at certain data sets, which are historical in nature. They're typically binary. You either paid your bills or you didn't. You either went to prison or you didn't. But there's a lot of context in there. So I tell people we're in the business of selling the context because the context is what determines if a person's decisions um, should be calibrated against a certain risk
0: factor or not. And, and so you, you explained a little bit about the, the intake interview and all the rest. But other than that, what's the user experience, let's say, first of the person who's being scored and then of the, the entity uh, that's yeah. using that score? so our customers
1: are businesses um, right now that are looking to assess a candidate for an opportunity they're trying to make a decision as to whether or not normally in the hr space you only run a background check when you have a candidate that you want to hire so they're making the final decision to hire so we're ultimately a gatekeeper as to whether or not a person can get a job or not In um, the lending space it's similar whether or not you get the loan um and that um, real estate space it's whether or not you could be considered um, a good tenant um but for our businesses they come to us when they have a candidate that they're ready to assess and we're just a data vendor we um have a very simple transactional relationship you want better data to make a decision that allows you to grow your business and manage your risk we can provide that data for the individual who's being assessed Um, what we often tell our customers or business customers to say is that they're a fair chance employer or a fair chance lender or a fair chance landlord. And it's a different experience to talk about some of your data points to people, right? But I think on the other end is we have people who are also formerly incarcerated who do these interviews. They don't see people's background checks. So they're unbiased in nature, which means you could tell us you don't have a record and the person on the other line wouldn't know, right? (laughs) But the machine would eventually know if you do. Um, and I think that that's what's important for us because um, from a humanistic standpoint, this is data that has a lot of shame. Most of us don't wanna look at our credit scores if it's bad. Most of us who have an arrest or conviction record are steeped in kind of the potentially the guilt and the shame of coming in contact with the criminal justice system. And so for our customers or our users, they're uh, communicating with us that it feels different, but different in a good way to be able to say, potentially, yes, I have a record, but here's all of the other things I did, or here's what I did while I was incarcerated, or here's what I would want them to know. So they get to have a position of of ownership and power in the decisions being made about them for the first time.
0: So, as I said, transformative. I mean, this is truly a ladder to climb out of a a hole that might otherwise find yourself trapped in for life and generation to generation, another challenge. So, Again, we could go on and on with this. I do want to just make a quick uh, plug, let's say, on your behalf, that the application, although currently has been focused on, as you said, in the in the private sector using this for employment reasons or, or whatnot, mm-hmm. um, there are use cases potential for cities, for instance, in the deploying of capital to, let's say, Black-owned small business owners. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the the world of opportunity is is just starting to to open to this. And with that in mind, I'd like to ask 30 seconds here. Mm -hmm. It's a tall order for 30 (laughs) seconds. um, You know, thinking 25, 30, 35, 50 years down the road. R3 score is is the new norm by which mm-hmm. people are are evaluated rather than using that historical binary data. Uh, what is the impact? What does it mean for, for the individual? What does it mean for society as a whole?
1: Yeah, I would say that what it means for society as a whole is that we get to benefit from people living out their highest and best lives, whatever that is for them. And I think what it also means is that we finally found a way to make economic mobility a reality and not just a dream, right? I, th- I think but there's lots of ways we talk about economic mobility. Mobility requires opportunity that can be laddered, and that's where we can benefit and we can help.
0: Lauren, I mean, it's a game changer for for society is really what it is. Um, I can't thank you enough for your dedication to this topic and, and the, the impact that you're already having. Um, I do want to give our listeners and, and viewers an opportunity uh, to learn more, to get connected. What's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, so our website is the letter R, the number three, the word score, S-C-O-R-E dot com. That's the best way to find
0: us on all of our channels. Fabulous. Listen, Lauren, thank you so much again uh, for joining us today on Preview of Tomorrow, but also for for this incredible work that you're doing and, and the inspiration you are to all of us. Thank you so much. Happy to be with you. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Listeners like you are essential to advancing our efforts to drive resiliency and sustainability for all. I ask that you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming platform you prefer. Your feedback helps us to grow and share these brief previews of what life in the future can be. In addition to thanking our guest today, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow
1: preview of tomorrow is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.